All right, you can open to your open open to open to Matthew chapter twelve. Matthew chapter twelve. Um, and as well as James, James chapter three. All right, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Matthew 12, verse 33. Jesus is speaking. Speaking to the Pharisees. Verse 33, he says, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that man speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words... Thou shalt be condemned. You shall know a tree by its fruit. Your tongue um, shows the fruit of what is in your heart. The fruit indicates what tree it is, what sort of tree it is. Is it a good tree? Is it a bad tree? And so so the same way our tongue shows what's truly going on inside of us. Your tongue is somewhat of an indicator. It's a... It's an outward thing or showing what's really going on on the inside. Now the question is, who sees the quality of your fruit the best? If you were to view a tree from a distance, can you see as accurately what the quality of that fruit is? It's the closer you get to the fruit that you see the quality of that fruit the best. So in other words, someone who is standing 10, 20 meters away is not going to see whether that fruit is rotten. It's maybe not even going to be able to identify what fruit that is. But it's those who are so close that they can touch and that they can feel what that fruit is, who knows what's truly the quality of that fruit. And so usually, or let me rather say, um, what we find happening is that the tongue is least tamed where it is most comfortable. The tongue is least tamed where the people are the closest. And so we can put up a good show from a distance. But it's when we're close, those people who are close to us know the power of that tongue. So I think a lot of the taming that needs to happen when it comes to our tongues is at at home and um, those people closest to us. Um. You can open to James chapter 3. We'll be spending most of our time in James chapter 3. Now James also speaks about this indicator of the tongue and how this tongue shows what's going on in the heart of man. Um, You can see in James chapter 3 and verse 12, James chapter 3 verse 12, he says, Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either can... Uh, either a vine, figs, so can no fountain, um, both yield salt, water, and fresh. So he uses that same tree analogy that we see Jesus using in um, James chapter 3. 
But what's important about James chapter 3, and this is where we'll be spending our time, is that it builds off of James chapter 2. And James chapter 2 is largely, especially the second half of that, speaks about um, the relationship between your doing and your faith. And those two things and how they balance. So look at, for example, in James chapter 2, verse 12, it says, So speak ye, and so do. So speak ye, and so do. Have a look at um, verse 18. James 2.18, it says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Verse 26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And it's with that thought that he goes into chapter 3. And he starts talking about the tongue. And so the tongue is one of the works through which you show what is the quality of your faith. So I don't think the tongue should be separated from this works that we see in chapter 2. So we're going to be spending our time in these verses, and we're going to be talking about what or how to tame our tongues. But before we get into that, let's just ask the Lord to help us with this. Lord, we thank you for this, this morning, Lord. Um, Lord, we need you um, for everything, Lord. We need you this morning um, to help us, Lord, to give us ears to hear, help me to speak as you would have me speak, Lord, and help us all to learn something about the fruit that hangs from our tree, the, um, the tongue, Lord, and, and how we are able to yield it for good and for evil, Lord. Please help us. Please guide us now as we, as we learn from you in these few verses. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's, um, let's have a look at James chapter 3, verse 1. It says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. And every kind of beast, and of birds, and of, all, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed by mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. It ends there, it says, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Now, the question is, what can we do? What can we do about the fact that this is a reality? 
how do we handle that? How do we approach the issue that we have with our tongue? And I want to give you three things. The first thing is that we need to use our steering mechanism rightly. We need to use our steering mechanism rightly. Secondly, we need to know what is the power of our match. Match, firoki, little fire. Okay? I'm trying to alliterate M's, okay? Steering mechanism, know the power of your match. And then thirdly, you need to submit to the master. And those three things, I think, will guide us very nicely and give us something to hold on to as we go through our lives. Um, but before we get to these three points, I just want to point out a few things in verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that you shall receive the greater condemnation. He starts with a caution. He says, don't unnecessarily seek to be a master or a teacher. Don't unnecessarily seek to put yourself in a position where you have to use your tongue quite a lot. All right? And so it's kind of awkward standing here using my tongue for the next 45 minutes and um, <laughs> not, and, my, my, and this is the thing, right? If you put yourself in a position where you have to do that, you are, you are setting yourself up for being an offense. That's what verse 2 says. Being a stumbling block. Saying something that causes someone to stumble. So don't desire unnecessarily to be in that position. Um, rather let, let the Lord guide you into that. And as the Lord guides you into that position, you need to stay so ready and so humble for Him to use you and to guide your every word. Because if, if, if you're standing here and what you say, or wherever it is that you find yourself being a master over someone, it, it, that it applies so much to the house as well, as a father towards his children, as a boss towards his employees. You are the master and you are wielding your tongue. You are giving instructions. You are telling people what they need to do. And if you saying something causes someone to be, to be an offense to them or causing them to stumble, the greater condemnation is your part. Verse 2 says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Now, none of us are perfect, and therefore all of us will make mistakes. But <laughs> make sure that you try and minimize the damage that is done by your tongue. And that is why he says, don't try and just assume a position of mastership just because it looks nice. Because it's there where you are going to be held accountable the most. Interestingly, it says there that it... it, it um, um, you are able to bridle the whole body. Right? If, if you can get this little member, this little tongue under control, you are able to set a direction for the whole body. And so this is not a small, it's a small member, but it's not a small task that we need to embark on. And I think that's why James chapter 1, verse 19 is so important. Um, James 1, 19, it says, Wherefore, my, believer, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of, not righteousness of God. We need to be slow to speak. Right? And as, as slow to speak proceeds slow to wrath. Because it's usually once you've, you've embarked on your statement or your objection or your argument that it sort of just goes and goes and goes. So quick to hear, slow 
to speak. Proverbs 21, verse 20, Proverbs 21, 23 says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. So, we need to, if you're going to speak, because this is what I'm going to do this morning, I am going to speak, but if you're going to speak, we need to stick to God's word. We need to make sure that we're submitted to what God has said, and that way, the ability for me to be a stumbling block or say something that causes anyone to stumble is largely reduced. So, by God's grace, that's what we will be doing. Because, obviously, we can't not speak if we're going to speak. But we need to do it in the right way. We're going to use our um, tongue. All right, so firstly, use your steering mechanism rightly. Let's read verse 3 and 4. It says, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us. And we turn about the whole body. Behold, also ships, which though they be great, are driven and driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. These two illustrations have the same goal. Although the tongue is small, it yields power over the rest. Although the bit is small in the horse's mouth, it controls the whole horse's direction. Although that rudder is small, it controls the whole direction in which that ship goes. So we all have a rudder. We all have a bit. That's our tongue. But which way is it pointing? We don't always give that rudder the right direction. We don't always know what the direction is that we need to go in. Because I think we don't always take the time to establish what the right direction is. That's why I say we need to use our steering mechanism rightly. We can steer this way or we can steer that way. And sometimes the problem is we just grab the steering wheel. We just grab the reins on that horse's bit and we just say that way before taking the time to even stop and think, what is the right direction in which I should be steering? And so that is, when I say use your steering mechanism rightly, it means you need to stop and think, which way am I going to steer? Because you have the ability to move this whole body, but we don't take the time to make sure that we are steering it in the right direction. And that's why James 1.19 that we just looked at, my beloved brethren... It says there, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. You need to take time to be able to hear and think before you speak. And we don't always do that. We just say, there's the course, there's the direction, there is the way in which we're going. Proverbs 13 and verse 3 says, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Proverbs 16.23 says, The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. Proverbs 30 verse 32 says, If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or thou hast thought evil, lay thine hand upon thy mouth. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2 says, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for, it is, for God is in heaven and thou upon the earth, therefore let thy words be few. We, we are not very good at this. <laughs> um, we are not very good at keeping our mouth, teaching our mouth, right? Not being rash with our words, 
laying our hand upon our mouth so that we don't say something that we shouldn't say. Because I'm sure all of us have been there where we've said something and we're like, oh, why? Right? Sometimes that why or that disappointment only comes an hour or two later and then the whole field has been burned off down by that statement that you made. So the challenge is to just shh, just just keep quiet. <laughs> it sounds simple, but it takes practice. Like the proverb says, says you need to teach your mouth. Right? You need to teach your mouth to be quiet and to seek direction first before you throw this whole body into a direction that is not a good direction. We'll touch on this a little bit more when we get to point three, when it comes to submitting to our master. But let's just complicate things a little bit more. And um, let's have a look at what I mean when we say we need to know the power of our match, this little fire. Have a look at verse um, five. It says, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire Kindleth. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. This is a, a little fire. You'll see, look at verse uh, 7, it says, For um, every kind of beast of the, uh, and birds of the, and serpents and things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed by mankind. But the tongue no man can tame. So it's, it's, it's spoken of as a little fire. It's spoken of as poison. It's spoken of as a, as a wild, untamable animal. In the Psalms, it's spoken of as an arrow. In Proverbs, it's spoken of as a sword. So you have a weapon. You have a, a vial of poison. You have a fire in your hands. Th th that is what you have with your tongue. Now, if someone gives you an armed weapon, if someone gives you a vial of poison, if someone hands you a stick with fire on, if, like, what are you going to do with that? Are you just going to throw it to the wayside, leave it lying around so the child can drink the poison, leave an armed gun? Like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to take care of something that can cause serious harm. You're going to make sure you know how to use that thing and not just leave it around. You are going to make sure that the way in which you yield it is going to be for good. Now, why do we often not do that with our tongues? Why aren't we equally careful with our tongue? And you see, a weapon can inflict bodily harm. Poison can inflict bodily harm. An animal can inflict bodily harm. Our tongue can scar someone for life. It can make the difference between whether someone goes to hell or to heaven. And we don't heal or we don't, we, don't, we don't see how dangerous or how powerful our tongue is, but we fear something like poison or a gun or something like that, but we don't see the power of that tongue. It's exactly this careless and inattentive use of the tongue that brings about so much destruction. In verse 6, it is a fire. It is a world of iniquity. Right? It says it setteth on setteth on fire the course of nature. It's a, this, this world of iniquity, it is, it is, and this world of iniquity is fueled by hell. It is fueled by evil. 
And it sets on fire the course of nature. In other words, it's left unchecked. And it, it is, it's almost like the spark that brings your sinful nature into this, into this battle now. And so it's sort of almost like everything gets pushed behind because I have now said this thing and I've started this fire and I'm going to let that fire run. It's, it's not kept in check. And so that's the power. Think of the sins that you can do with, with your tongue. Lying, blasphemy, filthy speech, jesting, cussing, criticism, gossip, complaining, boasting, backbiting, slandering, heresy, strife, arguments. Those are all things that we do with our mouth. And those things lead to other things. Things we do with our body. But it starts there. Right? So that's why it says it's a little fire. But how great a matter this little fire kindleth, right? It can set on, cause, set on fire the course of nature. It, it, it begins this downward spiral of sin. It begins this animosity between two people. And that then results in, I'm going to get at you, I'm going to get at you, I'm going to do this to you. It, it, it just results in this downward spiral. I think it's our tongues that shows us the depth of our depravity the most. We are, we are able to, you know, to oftentimes um, control the way in which we act and all of that. But our tongue will show us how deep our depravity goes. We can, we can lay off certain bad habits. We can do all those things. But we can't tame the tongue. I think it's the tongue that makes me think of Romans 7.24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? It is often a mistake or a problem with my tongue that makes me say, oh, wretched man that I am. Who it, how am I going to get rid of this? And that is only through Christ. Now, as I say that, I also want to point out that these things can be used for good, right? When we, when we think about a little fire, when we think about an animal, when you think about a weapon, these things can be used for good, right? It's the problem is we, did, we, we don't point it in the right direction. And so you can, as much as you can lie and blaspheme and jest and cuss and all that with your tongue, you can also start a good fire. Yes. You can make a braai. That's a good fire, right? <laughs> you can make a good fire. Yes. You, you, you can protect your family with a weapon. You can, there are good things that can be done with these same things. Yeah. But the problem is, <laughs> did we point it in the right direction? Do we use it for blessing? Do we use it for cursing? Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. That's what we must use our tongues for. It must be good and grace and edification. Don't let the corrupt communication, because it's the same, it's the same tool, but we need to decide what we use it for. So let's use this powerful and this, this course setting um, member for good, and uh, not the terrible um, evil that it is unfortunately disposed to do. 
Um, submitting to our master, point number three. Let's have a look at verse seven. Verse seven says, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Now remember in, in, in verse 1, I said, or the verse says, be not many masters. Now before we do that, before we think of being a master, we should first submit to the ultimate master. You cannot think that you can be a master or a good master over anything if you're not under the submission of the master who is God. Additionally, in point one, um, we read about this bit and this rudder. And now the question is, does a horse pull on the bit to direct himself? Does a ship steer its own rudder? Or is there something external who is controlling the bit, who is controlling the rudder? It's something external, right? It is the captain of the ship. It is the master of the ship. It is the rider on the horse that directs the way in which the horse or the ship must go. And also, very importantly, it has a very specific location, right? You don't put a bit somewhere else. You put it in the horse's mouth. You don't put a rudder at the front or randomly three quarters up the side of the ship. Like It has a place where it is most effective. And so we need to have something external that has a very specific location in order to accurately direct ourselves. Now, that external is the master. Okay? Now, what is it that needs to be specifically located? I think it's the Word of God. I'll, we'll get to that. But in order to tame your tongue, just like a wild animal, you need external help. A wild animal can't tame itself. So we can't, we, we, it says, in verse 8, it says, no man can tame it, That's right. right? But we're not asking a man to tame it. We're asking God. Yeah. We need His help to tame our tongues. External help must be focused, and it must be located where it is most effective. And I think that location is your heart, your will, mm. Right? Your, your inner man, the, the depth of you, must be controlled by God. Yes. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In you richly. Psalm 119 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Right. If you do not have that word of God in you, if you don't have the word of God dwelling in you, you will sin against God. The more of the word there is in you, the less of the filth will come out of you. Right? It's almost like it displaces it, and so you need more and more of it. Now, lastly, before we close, I want to make a connection between the tongue and wisdom. The tongue and wisdom. Proverbs 2 verse 6. It says, for the, word, for the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. The Lord giveth wisdom. Proverbs 10 31. The mouth 
of the just bringeth forth wisdom. The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom. It says, the heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. Ecclesiastes 10.12 says, the words of the wise man's mouth are gracious. So, if you, want to, if you want to use your tongue for good, you need wisdom. You, you, if we do not have that, we will be poisonous, we will be arrows, we will, we will have this weapon, we will have this untamed animal. But if we have wisdom, there is gracious, there is knowledge, there is understanding, there is all of those things that are associated with the tongue. So, James chapter 1 verse 5, I'm sure you're aware of it. James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. I know it's speaking specifically about wisdom in trials, but we cause a lot of trials (laughs) with our tongues. And so often it is in that confrontation where we now have to make a decision, we need to set a course that we need wisdom, and God is the one who gives us wisdom. Proverbs 2, six. for the Lord giveth wisdom. So, perhaps the reason we lack control over our tongues is because we lack wisdom. And because perhaps the reason we lack wisdom is because we think we can do it ourselves. Or, alternatively, which I think is far worse, is that we think we're wise already. So either we don't understand that it is only through God that we are able to have wisdom, or it's that we think we've already acquired that wisdom such that we do not need to lean on God in order to tame our tongues. We need to trust God every time (laughs) we have to speak, especially if we are speaking in our position as master. So let's stop trying to be the masters, but rather let us submit to the master. I want, you to, I want to remind you of something about our master. Have a look at Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest, okay, this is our master, which cannot be touched with a feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now think about that verse in the context of what we've spoken about especially. Our master has been touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus knows what it feels like to have a tongue. Jesus knows what it feels like to have a tongue that wants to say things that are not right. To be tempted to do those things. Jesus knows. But he didn't do it. right? So when we go to Jesus, when we, when we pray and we say, Lord, I'm struggling. I don't know, how to, I, I don't know which direction I must, I must steer the ship. Lord, I don't know how to respond to this. I don't know how to help this person. Whatever it is, right? Jesus knows how it is to be tempted in the form of our tongue. But it says, tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. That's right. 
So not only does he know how it feels, he knows how to not give in to that same temptation. So he understands us and he also knows what to do about it. The problem is we don't run to him every time we need to use our tongue. So when I say every time we use our tongue, let me just also say this. Don't just think about it as verbal speech, because these days we talk a lot through messaging, right? Or things that we, I don't know, I don't, I'm not a big poster, but things we post or things we, whatever it is. Right. That is. That is another form of using your tongue. And so be careful the way in which you, because oftentimes you see that someone is very quick to say something mean over a phone because that person is, you know, however many kilometers away. Right? But that's why I think in the Psalms it's quite imp in important to realize that our tongue is like an arrow. You don't have to be close. Right? We can use our tongue to hurt people at a distance. So be very, be very careful the things that you say, the things that you type. So let's use our mechanism rightly, so being swift to hear and slow to speak, and get direction before you. You steer this, this big ship. Um, and be also be very aware of the power that you have in your tongue, whether it's for good or where it's, whether it's for bad. Because this is a little fire starter, right? It, 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 it can start something really good, which is also great, but it can also start something really bad. And we must be very aware of that. And then most importantly, we need to understand that our tongues are indicators of what's in our hearts. Our hearts can only change if God is the master of it. Yes. Right? So we want God to be the master of that inner man, that will, that, that heart of ours, so that that which comes out is springing forth from that which has happened inside. And so we need to lean on God to help us. He needs to be our master. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can lean on you, Lord, um, to help us in this life, and especially when it comes to what we use this, this, this powerful tongue for, Lord. Um, may we use it, Lord, for good. Please help us, Lord. We need you so much. We know that we cannot tame our tongues. I think that's one of the first things we need to acknowledge and understand is that we cannot. We need you. Um, Lord, with that thought, may I ask that you please help us.